Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this every Friday at around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can watch the show live on the WP Tonic Facebook group page or on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. We've got a great panel. We've got a great guest. We've got Craig von Castos, um, the founder and CEO. Um, we've got a couple of great stories. We're going to be talking about the new 2020 theme for WordPress. We're going to be talking about the great um, Steve Jobs and... Um, We've got some great articles, but before we go straight into those, I've got a message from our great major sponsor. We'll be back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. Also, for the WP Tonic Tribe, Castos is just offering an amazing deal. If you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you can get your first six months at half price. That's right, half price. That's only an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Also, you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic week weekly newsletter which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the WP Tonic tribe. Please show your support for the show and support Castos. It's a fantastic platform. We'll be coming back. We've got some great stories. We're going to go straight into them. Um, got a great panel. Like I say, we've got Craig on Castos as well. Um, so let's start off with first look at WordPress cu- upcoming 2020 default theme. Blah, blah, blah. It's another tonic and it's a tongue twister. So, Spencer, what, what do you think of the new theme? It looks quite good, actually. Themes are dead. All hail themes. <laughs> um, while it's quite interesting, I don't know really anybody in 16 years who uses any of these annual updated themes and considering that we're in the world of the native page builder and blocks and so forth, I find it sort of interesting because although they're saying, you know, you'll have certain little clever features, the truth is that the Gutenberg native capability would be something more interesting if they provided a canvas type of a theme. Mm. You know, in other words, why don't we all jump on the bus and say, that instead of releasing these clever little like specifically designed things that have 84 pixel fonts as the, the the headline for everything, which is what's going on here, let's just say, how about a canvas for Gutenberg that you could drop your stuff onto and and make it universal? That would be a much more clever use of time, in my opinion, although maybe not popular. Well, people just don't have your graphical taste, Spencer, so that might be it. Uh, um, so. Um... 
Craig, what do you what did you think of this new theme? Yeah, I, I would largely agree with Spencer that uh, I think it's nice to have a starting point for for folks who are not kind of graphically inclined to to get something up and up and running quickly. But a lot of folks who who yeah say like want to take their site appearance really seriously, well, you know, kind of like buy a specialized theme or start with you know a, a page builder or a, a framework um, and and kind of build it up from the ground from there. We just launched a brand new website last week. Mm. And that's what we did. We used Generate Press and Generate Blocks and built everything from the ground up. Um, and I think that just thinking about my kind of like, whatever, six or seven years with with WordPress, it was either go and buy uh, an, a theme that fit exactly what I wanted to do. And I didn't have to do anything with it. And the designer that created that theme did all the creative work for me. Uh, or start from scratch with, you know, something like Generate Press or Elementor and, and kind of build it myself. Yeah, I like, I like the new website, the new look, Craig. It's very nice. Thanks. Um, Andrew, what do you reckon about this? Oh, he's muted. Are you going to join us, Andrew? Oh, let's go on. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sorry I've, got, I've got internet connections issues. Can you hear me properly? Yes, we can, actually. No. I think the same. I mean, you know, themes are... I think you need to rejoin us, Andrew. You're having some problems there. Heather, what what do you uh, think of this? I don't know if anybody looked at the picture of on there of the like. So in this article, there's a picture of what it's supposed to look like, and they have like, okay, well, this nice little landing page, and on the second picture, it has like for some reason the grid is off, and I'm like. I would never want my site to look like that. What on earth did they do? Why are they using this as an example of this? So I, it, it's it's like, for some reason, the page is like that. And then I'm trying to figure out what that's going to look like on mobile. And and so I would never, ever, ever, like if I saw, if I was scrolling past this in the preview, <laughs> I would say like, nope, <laughs> not choosing it. So I don't know what like design like what what kind of a designer is going to actually i mean and and not that i'm saying grid is all but i'm just like what are they going for here it just doesn't make any sense so i don't isn't that true of all those themes i mean can anybody honestly say of, of the group here has anybody ever been attracted to any of the 20 something themes i mean last year's model that green thing I, I literally want to check my, but I think it's probably not 84. I think it's 125 point for the H fonts, you know, and it's like, <laughs> put that, you put that into your WooCommerce checkout page and it's like the word checkout is half of the page. I'm like, who, who's using those things? It's it's not even attractive, let alone. Well, it stick out, would it? Yeah, so. so- I mean, all I ever see is that like people get these themes as templates to build their Envato theme that they're going to sell on, and and that's it. Like so, yeah. So what's the? I, yeah, I don't. That's it. it. Have a come out fighting. That's as I like to hear. I wonder, like like a lot of us probably build products instead of just starting from scratch every year with a new theme. Why not just have like whatever they call it, like core WordPress theme, and update it every quarter or every year or something and, and not start from scratch. Like, I don't know how the theme developers do it if they which, actually which, by the way, from scratch, but that's brilliant because like, for example, if you use a page builder like Elementor, 
Elementor doesn't have a core page builder theme, but it does have hello theme that they suggest it's like a canvas. Divi has itself and other ones have themselves. But if we had a core theme that was for these purposes, like Cadence does, then they could actually make features built into the core theme that are useful, like click the checkbox to hide or show the title on this page. Click the checkbox to show the footer or the header. Like all those themes you have to right now go to another third-party theme in order to achieve. You're futzing around with like the 2020-something theme instead. It's like ridiculous. Nobody's thinking. Hey, well, what do you yeah. reckon? So what do you reckon, John? I, I just think it's another sign automatic just stretched all over the place. Don't you? Yeah. I, I do think they're stretched a little thin, like butter scraped over uh, too much bread. But, um, I mean, this theme looks okay. I mean, uh, truthfully, I don't know very many people that use any of these themes for a live site. Not really. But... Come on, panel. The, 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 pro the problem is, is like with, with WordPress, there's so many different experiences now. Uh, there's a lot of people who are embracing blocks and they're using either generate press or cadence or um, Bloxy or, you know, something else, or they're using page builder like Elementor or Beaver Builder, or they're using, still using theme forest. So there's just, or the, you know, there's just not a lot of space for these. So yeah, I'm just trying to. Be, I'm just trying to be nice to WordPress and automatic. I'm just trying to handle. Uh, um, so, Andrew, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, you know, do we need WordPress to give us a theme? You know, really, uh, it's just it's great that they do. It's fantastic that they have contributors that do that and stuff like that. But you know, we've got so much else to think about. Good. What I'd like to see is Gutenberg develop into what Elementor do, what Divi do, what um, Visual Composer do, and give us some layouts, right? Give us some layouts to work on. Give us a even a full site layout, you know, and, and um, help us build stuff. You know, we've got Bold Grid, which is a phenomenal page builder, um, site builder. Basically, you just click one click and it's got, you've got your full site there. You can choose any number of 100 genres and... You know, people don't know about Bold Grid, but, but you've got Elementor with all your page layouts and you can just install a site in 25 minutes, you know. So why do we need WordPress's help for that? I'd prefer them to, you know, concentrate on making the the, the fundamentals right, like, you know, getting 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 us to, to, to get speed right and optimization right and full site editing right. You know, they're, they're too, like all of us, we have too many pies to choose from and with wordpress they're trying to be the kitchen you know wow. everything in the kitchen sink I'm, and that's I'm, not right i'm very focused <laughs> andrew you probably noticed that <laughs> with a laser focus all right andrew well so, i think it's, i find it funny and curious that with you know our major sponsor is on the podcast today and they've just redesigned their website it's like it's almost a coincidence craig it's brilliant i mean yeah, I, you know, how did your... I don't surprise it, Andrew, but there is some thought <laughs> behind this show. Uh, um, so there we go. Let's, so let's go on to stories, Do I remember Steve Jobs 10 years on. So, Heather, to say that Steve was a complicated man would be a slightly understatement, wouldn't it, Heather? Um, but he was a human being. He had great strengths and faults. Unlike some of the people we're going to be discussing in this podcast, um, 
he was still a human being, wasn't he? You know, um, what did you reckon about this article, Heather? Uh, this was a eulogy for a friend. Um, it's it, it struck me as someone talking about a complicated person. Um, and it reminded me, like, I lost someone similar last year that uh, was very polarizing to a lot of people and, uh, like, also very famous and changed the world in, in a very different way. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, pe- people that didn't know Steve Jobs personally, like, created an analog of him in their head and believe they know him. And uh, Joni Ive knows him and uh, lost his friend. And that's what this is about. And Steve Jobs is someone that, like, the influence that he had will, like, he, he changed the world forever, good or bad. He changed the world. There, that is, like, a point in time, like, an immutable point in time when he came along and not just from the iPhone, like when, when he and Steve Wozniak got together and worked for Atari, they changed the world and then they just kept doing it. So it's, I mean, like how many, how many people played breakout on their little Nokia junk phones? And that was them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, just over and over and over, the things that that Steve Jobs created in his life changed our lives. Uh, and then, and and this, there's very few people in the world that have that kind of of influence. And people forget that people just see a polarizing man that was deeply flawed. Uh, well, we are, aren't we all? Yeah. Uh, yes, but I think I think because he was in such a spotlight, like bec- because he had so many people around him all the time, just cataloging his every move. Like we don't generally have that scrutiny. The mm-hmm. average person doesn't have that scrutiny. Um, so anyway, that's my yeah. Thought. I thought it was so. So Craig, you know. I would agree with Heather, you know, him and his partner, they kind of developed the modern world, you know, in a way, you know, you know, the birth of the personal computer and then the iPhone. Um, also, I admire Steve because I think he's one of those individuals that got better as he got older. There's a lot of people that actually get worse as they get older. They learn, they learn nothing from life. Um, what do you reckon, Greg? Yeah, I mean, so like obviously didn't know him personally, but from what I read and understand, like one thing that he did was like demand excellence from everyone around him. And and I think that like maybe the way he went about that came off wrong to a lot of people. Like well, he, was. Kind of, he was brutal. This, he was brutal, this sucks. wasn't he? But he was brutal. Yeah, but, but like I, I think that it's his way of saying, I know you can do better and I trust that you can kind of deliver what this project needs. And and I see a lot of similarities in how people talk about working with Elon Musk. Um, like, I think he is probably quite similar, like truly brilliant, pretty revolutionary, working in a really interesting field, being extremely demanding. Um, but also, like Heather said, you know, kind of changing the world, right? Like the way that we think about electric cars and solar power and these things like that are really different because of 
Elon Musk now. And um, I count myself lucky to be living through <laughs> times with these two people because it, it really is like quite a different world um, because of them and a whole bunch of other people. But yeah. So Spencer, I think one of the things, you know, he was brutal sometimes, but I think he was also more brutal to himself, the demands he placed on himself as much as he placed on other people. What do you reckon, Spencer? One of the things I think about sometimes because of the latest misbehavior of Apple amongst other large companies is how might the actual world be different if Steve Jobs were alive simply for his willingness to be um, the opposite of other large CEOs. In other words, at a time when Microsoft was going left, he would go right. And if, you know, Steve Ballmer did this, he would go the other way and so forth. And right now, more than ever, I have to say, I'm almost completely off of Apple in general. I still have an Apple iPhone and I have a 2016 MacBook Pro, but I will never in the near term think of buying another Apple product again because they've double, triple, quadrupled down on anti-right to repair, anti-privacy, pricing models that are ridiculous. They're selling stuff that's 20 years old as if it's like a whiz-bang. Johnny Ives was not somebody that I agreed with with a lot of the things that he did. But he had a good reason for it. Like, for example, I remember skeuomorphism as being, if that's the right word, right with the original iPhone where everything looked like it was in real life. That was amazing to me. And when they went off of that, I was annoyed. And some of his products were ridiculous. But at least you could tell that there was the interaction between him and Steve Jobs, the push and the pull, the tug and the the give and take to like, we're trying to do something unique here. And if it failed, it failed. But it didn't fail because they were trying to, blow smoke up your rear end like happens now. Um, So I think the world is a little less well off as a result of his passing early, but he also, let's be honest, he didn't make friends along the way because he treated people with respect. He made friends along the way because people either feared him or hated him or respected him for his being right, but he was very gruff in his approach. Johnny Ives doesn't seem to have that problem, but Johnny Ives without Steve Jobs is like, peanut butter without chocolate i mean it just he's he's qualified but i don't think on his own there's anything you could say remarkable about johnny ive since steve jobs has died and that's no offense to him some people are like you know dean martin and you know the rat pack or something or you know jerry lewis that was that was a combination not one person by themselves so john one of the facts that's probably not you know and i might you know i think steve was still in charge when Apple was moving all its production to China and he must have been aware of the working conditions, uh, you know, that was going to be imposed upon these workers. He didn't seem to be have much care about that particular issue, did he, John? Um, that's kind of par for the course for all uh, major corporations, including Apple. I think that people like... Steve Jobs and Elon Musk are put on this pedestal, uh, maybe more than they deserve to be uh, at times. But yeah, of course they know what the conditions are in China. That's But when you're a big corporation like Apple, you don't get to be the most valuable company in the world and displace 
the oil companies is the most valuable company in the world without uh, leveraging what they call arbitrage of labor, which is basically you find somewhere cheaper to make it and uh, you find other out of sight, out of mind workers to exploit, whether you're Nike using sweatshops or Apple um, or, you know, whether no matter who you are, you're, you're using someone to exploit. And that's a tale uh, that's almost as old as time. That's been going on for, for a long time, centuries. So um, does it change what Apple accomplished as a company? Uh, no, but um, I, I do, I, I will say this. I, I think Apple has not had as much clear direction since Steve Jobs died. I think that that uh, when Steve Jobs was at the helm of Apple, that they had a more focused vision of what they were going to be doing five, well, six, seven years they down Fundamentally, the line. haven't produced anything of any originality since his death. Yeah, it's just a new iPhone with a new camera, like each yeah. year. It's, yeah. a, it's just it's just been efficiently run, turned into a money engine. But the regionality of the company is slowly dying. Um, Andrew, to say that he was a complicated individual and a bit like Heather, he was in the spotlight, so those contradictions were in the public vision. But to say he was a complicated person was, is a slight understatement, isn't it, Andrew? You're muted, Holly. Well, I think so. Um but we, you know, we all have our complexities, some more than others. And, you know, Steve Jobs had an opportunity. He was in there first. You know, he, he built computers first, basically, you know, along with Bill Gates and Paul Wozniak and, you know, everybody else. And we were, you know, we're lucky to live through the age that these guys lived to give us examples of, one, their vision and, two, their ability to make products that everybody needs. You know, we don't we don't need phones, but we feel we need them. You know, I lost my phone last week, and I I, I was okay with it. I you know, twenty four hours on my phone, it was quite a relief. You know, but oh, the, sure, I, I lost it in Spain as well, so it was almost half panic. But the point is, is that I I grew up in advertising agencies as well, printing and ad, ad agencies. So you know, I saw the first G Macs, and they were impressive. And and if you you were an ad agency, you didn't have a G Mac on your desk, the the, the customer wouldn't choose you because you weren't a modern with it ad agency so that's how it's affected you know the sarches and sarches of this world they they immediately invested in gmax they were just all over the place um so the innovation was there i'm proud that johnny ive was is british you know that apple is basically based on a british person's design that's great i'm patriotic why not um he's a good guy johnny ives you know he and 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 we always need they're, they're, they're like musicians. Some musicians have a muse, right? Or poets have a muse. And maybe if you spin it round, Steve Jobs was actually Johnny Ives' muse. He, he yeah, died just to finish off. And consulted with him. And that was his power was, was, was an, in management terms as well. He was a, he was a genuine leader of people, mm. you know, and he encouraged people and, and cajoled them and, you know, even by telling them off, he was still educating them on how to actually manage their own lives and their time and stuff like yeah. that. And often being said, there's only 24 hours in a day, but these people, Elon Musk, Johnny Ive, 
Steve Jobs, all these all these successful people seem to manage to make 24 hours more valuable than the than the average person, you know, and that's the key, I think, is that making sure that you are, doesn't matter whether you're horrible or arrogant or obnoxious or whatever, or nice or kind or, or, or whatever else, you have to make the most of what you've got. And that's, that's the power of these people is that they make the most of what they've got. And that's, yeah. you know, so I've got no bone to pick with Jobs or his character or his anything. Bravo. Well done. He's changed our lives. I've got an iPhone. I won't ever buy another Mac because they're far too expensive and not as efficient as my three computers uh-huh. that cost less than one Mac, you know. So there's, no, there's, other, really there's other stuff. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, um, it's going to be me. So- I think Johnny Ive did, a, did him a tribute by writing this little post. Yeah. It's great. Great. Yeah, just the wrap up panel. I just think you know he had, he he had the rough side, but I think he was really rough on himself. He was demanding, but he was demanding to himself. He could be mean, but he could also be generous. Uh, um, he was a complicated person, but he was a human being, which make makes him very different to the comedy crowd that we're going to be talking about later on in this show that are so corporate American that have no heart, have they, they have no spirit. They are just bureaucrats of the worst type. Um, so we'll be talking about that crowd later on. Uh, um, <laughs> Craig's getting worried now, but you'd be probably gone by that, Craig. Uh, we're going. Um, we're going for our break. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, Backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flows lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flows, who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. I'm Bertha an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. In just a few clicks, you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert, from blog posts to landing pages to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on bertha.ai. See you soon. We're coming back. You've listened to some of our great sponsors. Um, I want to give a special praise to Launch Flows. Launch Flows has decided to keep sponsoring the show. Your sponsorship is much appreciated, Spencer and Launch Flows. You could look a bit happier, Spencer. There's okay. a special deal going right now through October 14th with Bertha AI. Yes. Lifetime yes. Launch Flows, Lifetime Bertha AI for 10,000 words a month for just $219. 
That's a fantastic Get it before it goes. I would. I might get that. Right, thank you for that. Uh, So, on to to a story that's kind of linked. Um, Black Friday, well, Black Friday is coming, the 2021 WordPress business, what you need to know. And then I I didn't tell Craig this, but um, I added there was a second story from Justin from um, um, LearnDash. He had a very different to lifetime. So, Spencer, are you preparing yourself for Black Friday? Yeah, I like, by the way, this is a great, there's a picture, it looks a couple years old, of Jack Arturo in there with a quote. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I, I would say what's interesting to me about the WordPress ecosystem in general, having just started out here 15 and a half years ago, uh, is that it really does behave in a different way than many other businesses, even online businesses. And one of the things that I think you have to come to accept if you sell products or services is <laughs> that irrational behavior around Black Friday is one of the realities. Another reality, of course, that I've copped to here many times is the lifetime deal phenomena, which is going on, of people collecting software similar to NFTs, as if somehow it's going to be worth something five years from now. But the the Black Friday thing is real. And so for those of us who do sales, and even like right now, I'm doing a pre-Halloween sale. The only reason to make that happen is because once you get into the, like Star Wars with the, you know, with the Millennium Falcon getting close to the original Death Star, like once you get into the pull of the tractor beam of Black Friday, really, you might as well just focus on Black Friday. And I think that starts sometime in mid-October. So uh, once everybody starts putting on their decorations for Black Friday, essentially what happens is all sales stop (laughs) until the freaking Black Friday happens. So if you accept that and you realize that, there's also a reciprocal effect, which they reckon here, of a vacuum on the backside of Black Friday. So all sales sort of stop until February after Black Friday because everybody just essentially ate their fill and they're done with it for a couple months playing with their toys. So in sum, in WordPress, if you sell stuff, it would be wise to consider that the fourth quarter is basically one day of selling and that it's going to eat into your first quarter of the next year. So, Craig, you know, you're you're in the kind of WordPress kind of uh, bootstrap um area your business um i think i think one of the things about subscriptions and the boot and like you know rob rowling you know he's an investor in your company is that i think there's there's something called subscription fatigue uh um i think that you know everybody wants you know you've got to be a subscription business but there's only I think people, when they start looking at their monthly um, checking account and they see all these subscriptions for this, that, or a business, there's a it gets to a level where there's fatigue sets in. What do you reckon, Craig? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that subscription fatigue is a thing. I mean, we are always going to be a subscription business. So, like, if, if that's the case... Um, I don't know what we're going to do about it. Like, I don't think there's a way around it. We, we, we're a monthly service. We have real costs for delivering files to folks. And so we have to charge every year, every month. We can't just charge, you know, $100 up front and somebody gets our service for the oh, I meant more. Lifetime. I meant more that this, 
that every business, you know, to get investment to be attractive has to become a subscription. I think uh, what well, you're, well, you're offering, yeah, it needs to be yeah. a subscription. But literally everything's got to be turned into a subscription. And I think there's a real problem there. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know whether it's a problem or not. I'll tell you the reason that you see a lot of companies going to it instead of like you get this thing for life to – here, you know, here's your annual license and you can renew it maybe next year for full price or 30% off, 50% off is it makes the business really predictable. You can say, hey, if we have a certain period of data, we know that, you know, people renew at this rate and they they kind of uh, churn at this rate. Like it makes running a business really, really much more predictable than on the first of every month we start at zero and we have no idea what this month is going to look like. Um, like to to Spencer's point about Black Friday, uh, I really dislike it as a as a like sales and marketing person, um, but kind of know that everybody else does it, and so if we don't do it, we kind of miss out on um, you know some of the buzz and and everything. We took a slightly different approach last year, which worked well, which was not to offer big discounts on our kind of starter package, but um, getting our kind of top tier packages at a at a pretty big discount. Um, to existing customers only. Um, so the the discount was available only for people who wanted to go from already being a customer to upgrading to a higher tier, only for existing customers. And just to me, that seems like more genuine with like, I don't want to discount my service just because it's Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know? Like, like our service is really valuable. I want to keep as much of that as possible because I think people start perceiving your product differently if because one day or two days or a week out of the year that now Black Friday is a whole week long, um, you know, it's 70% off. Um, just to to the people who want to buy it on December 12th, uh, just seems like kind of disingenuous to me. So, Heather, there, there seems to be a crowd that really hate lifetime deals. There's a crowd that really hates Black Friday. I, I think you really got to take it on a case by case. I I, I actually like life. I, I normally, when I when I'm interested in a product, I try it, and then if they offer a lifetime deal, because I, I'm running a business and I provide a lot of software to my clientele, blah blah. But I think I think you really got to treat, you know, a lifetime. You know, I think for a business trying to start out, trying to get cash flow, trying to get the wheel going, offering a lifetime deal might be a a good idea to get going to get users in. I, I think it's just a very varied area. What, what do you do? You think I'm right, or what, what's your feelings about this, Heather? Uh, of getting advertisements, or no? I think I think the two areas. One is about Black Friday oh. in the you know around WordPress plugin services or SaaS. And then this whole argument about AppSumo and lifetime deals. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, using AppSumo is really good. I mean, like even at Evernote, like when we first started, we used AppSumo. And like we we capped it at 100,000. And um, I mean, that helped us to grow really fast. And we did like lifetime Evernote subscriptions for AppSumo for a hundred thousand people. They sold out in like a day. And um, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we sold them for, I think it was like a hundred dollars, which was a, I mean, at the time that would have been a five year, like five years subscription. And then that's what you really have to figure out. Like, it's not like you sell something for like cheap. You have to, you have to do it for like, what, what is five or 10 years worth of revenue for your lifetime deal? Um, but you also don't have to do it as a lifetime deal. You just have to do it as a discount on your revenue. And I always recommend to entrepreneurs, like you don't have a list. You don't have time to build a list when you're starting out. And, and like, you have to team up with somebody who has one. And then what you're discounting is like, you're paying them for the value of your saving time. So this is a shortcut for you to get all of these customers fast. And then you just have to calculate what that's worth for you. So, I mean, all these people that are complaining about, oh, the headaches of dealing with all these customers that you're getting from the sale, like at the discount, well, then you calculated the price wrong. That's on you. That's not on AppSumo. That's not on Black Friday sales. That's not on this. That's you screwing up your pricing. I think you made it excellent because I think a lot of, especially technical founders, technical people, totally underestimate the amount of work it takes to build up an online audience. The years of slogging away every week producing a podcast or a video, um, the consistency, the commitment that's necessary to produce over 600 audio uh, podcasts. Uh, they, they, for understandable reasons, they tend to discount the uh, dedication that takes ever, but there we go. So over to John. John, what do you, what do you reckon about these two articles? Yeah, so the uh, Justin from LearnDash, um, his argument against lifetime deals um, is that all companies are going to want to either phase out or sell. And we have seen so many companies within the WordPress space exit recently or in digital marketing or even, you know, companies that are bigger than this. Uh, sell to other companies. So with that being the end goal for 90% of people, he's saying that lifetime deals were a road, not a roadblock, but only because he didn't have a lot of them, but all the companies where he was talking about uh, exiting or selling uh, LearnDash to them, they all asked about the handful of, of lifetime deals that he sold early on. Yeah, well, they were just using that to, as a lever to, you know, to beat him down a bit. They're bound uh, yeah, to do, and they're I get that, to do that, aren't they? You know. I, I do get that. But I think that in the, in the WordPress economy, I, I think that a lot of people did lifetime deals uh, in the past because they saw other people doing it because a lot of companies reversed that. There are a few which have not, um, like Advanced Custom Fields has not so far. Um, and, you know, Spencer and, and, and is offering his lifetime deal. But um, there are a lot of people that, that have, they're thinking like at some point I'm going to want to sell this to somebody else and cash out, which that is is great too. Um, 
but that's his his point i think is uh you know and and apps you know, there are a lot of people that that do that they wait until black friday or they get those apps you know, deals and then they never use like 85% of what they yeah, buy there's that, there's that but so i think yeah. it's very complicated andrew i think the way spencer approached his lifetime deal was very logical offer a really good deal but make it quite clear that you're not offering lifetime support which I think is, as long as you explain it quite clearly, which Spencer did. We've I'm trying to wonder who he got that advice from. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But uh, um, but um, I think when it came to Justin's position, I think those that offer, offering a lifetime till as a special, you know, only offering it every couple of years or something, I don't know. It's not a bad idea. I think it's when you're offering it all the time or you're offering lifetime support. It's just crazy, isn't it, Andrew? Well, I, I think you're right. And what Heather nailed it, really, because basically you have to think of AppSumo and or, and or lifetime deals, even if you have got a list, as a cost of advertising. It's a cost of acquisition, right? So it costs us 20 bucks to get a customer and they give us a 1000 bucks a year. That's great. It'll cost you 100 bucks, But AppSumo is... I think it's a 50-50 deal. I'm not sure it could even be as high as 60-40 or something like that. But it's higher if you for think them. of it... Sorry? It's, like, it's higher for them, like 70-30. Well, whatever it is, it's, you know, so it's pretty... But, it, but it's okay. It's a cost of acquisition. It's advertising. So if you think about how much you're going to spend on advertising of getting 100,000 co- um, customers in 48 hours or 24 hours or however long it took Heather to do that, then it's a good idea to have that. Maybe, maybe yes, restrict the, restrict the support. You know, Spencer and I have talked about this at length. But you have to think of it as a Groupon deal. Uh, you know, and restaurants, I deal with restaurants all every single day of my life. And Groupon, uh, years ago, I used to persuade them to, to join Groupon. And I had a few people saying, this is costing me a fortune. I said, well, it's not actually, because you get the data of the customer afterwards. You've, you've covered your costs to actually feed and, 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 and uh, water these people. And they, you know, 40% of them will return to your um, place and, get, and use the 25% discount that you've got that, that they won't use through Groupon. And it is a cost of sale. So think about that. And, and honestly, it's one of the best ways to generate income for your business. Lifetime deals, you have to be careful. Like Bertha, we don't, we can't have a lifetime deal on it because it costs us every single time you generate a word. So for us to give us a life, lifetime deal would be foolish in the extreme. For Craig to give a lifetime deal would be foolish in the extreme. It would, it would actually stop growth because you can't employ people to support the customers that you've got on that have been loyal and and actually pay a full subscription. But if you've got a little bit of a software situation or a SaaS situation that you want to give a massive kickstart to, AppSumo or similar is a very, very good idea. And I've got nothing again. I, I believe in lifetime deals. And I've certainly got some lifetime deals on the 27 plugins that I own now. There's four of them with lifetime deals. Because it's 4.3 years that these people will continue to use the plugin. They'll get updates. They'll get support. They'll Mm. get whatever. It doesn't doesn't cost much in time management for that. We've got support systems already built in. So don't be afraid if you are developing something and doing a lifetime deal. And don't necessarily do it at Black Friday because it's so noisy on a Black Friday. You, yeah. you, your chances of actually getting the amount of customers that you need 
to build your business and then sustain your business on a Black Friday are very, very slim because people are inundated with emails from every single person. Well, I, I and, ju you and just one final point, yeah. 10 seconds, and you are in danger if you do one of the points made by Craig, uh, no, sorry, by um, LearnDash guy, was you, you don't want to piss off your, your customers that have bought the no. full price deal a week before the Black Friday. So yeah, but people, I, I, I don't think I'm unusual in the WordPress space. I, I tend to have a list of targets that I put on my radar that if they offer a really good lifetime deal around Black, you know, for, you know, Black Friday, um, I'll probably jump in and snap it up. You know, it will be the trigger. It will be. It will trigger me into a decision. So let's go on, probably to our final. Sorry, hey, Jonathan. One, one, sorry, one thing I'd like to add there is yeah. I do think I think as Heather mentioned, if you're early on, that an AppSumo or a lifetime deal can be a really great way to kind of self fund your runway and your yeah. entry into the market. Yeah. So if you're kind of looking to go full time with a thing or launch. Uh, it can be a really great way to to get some funding to you know fuel further growth and stuff. That's right. about the only time I would do it. Yep. So this is there. Um, this will probably be our last story, um, and then we'll go on to recommendations, and then we'll go on to bonus. Got some great bonus stories, but this is a great story for our guests. I thought it was an appropriate one, but also interesting. Uh, forecast podcasting and streaming audio are among. 2022 top growth media. Well, you must must be music to your ears, Craig. Um, do you think they're right? And what's driving this, Craig? Uh, yeah, I sure hope they're right. Uh, <laughs> and I, I do. I mean, we just, we continue to see the market growing. So like this isn't um, like a, a wild prediction, I don't think. Um, I, I think that coming off the heels of COVID, hopefully, uh, at this point, you know, people are going to start commuting and traveling again. And, um, you know, from a podcasting perspective, that's where a lot of the consumption happens. Um, streaming is an interesting one, things like this. Um, and and YouTube, like, I wonder about that because I think more and more people are wanting to get out of their houses to go be back in the world. And, and I can see that actually dipping uh, as people are kind of inside and less. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely expect listenership of podcasts to go up next year as people start having more time where they can listen to them, which is typically on the go. Right. So, Spencer, what do you reckon? Um, podcasting seems to be getting, live streaming seems to be getting, what do you think, got any insights, what might be driving this consumption of the audio? I mean, I find it that this granular differentiation is a little hard to stomach. Uh, not that it's a problem, but it's just disingenuous because of statistical errors or things. I would say it'd be more accurate to look at it in terms of the actual delivery device, right? People who look at a TV set sit down in front of it versus a mobile device. Because like when I'm out for a walk, I can, I can go from listening or sort of viewing a little listening to YouTube stuff as much as a podcast, as much as a streaming something else. It's the device that matters. And I would say it's un unquestionable that the mobile device market is a huge opportunity for anybody because whether it be for infotainment, entertainment, or information, for many people, that's their first and most convenient way of getting this stuff. Like, I don't necessarily have to go back to my desktop when I have a question. I just literally can do a quick Google search and either listen to something, watch something, or read something. From that standpoint, the problem is noise. <clears throat> 
<laughs> there was a time I'm old enough to remember when there was one or two podcasts about entrepreneurial success stories and the internet. And now there's 250 trillion of them. So like anything else in life, there becomes a problem for new content makers of how do you get the traction? And now it becomes a marketing event, right? You, you, one thing I noticed that I'll reflect upon, I noticed because I watch YouTube quite a bit, mostly for chilling out and stuff, that there are those shorts, the YouTube shorts, which also are connected to Instagram. And now they've woven them into the YouTube app. I find myself spending a ton of time, wasted time, looking at YouTube shorts, which was not a thing six months ago, I don't believe. Like it didn't, it didn't take any of my time. Now it takes most of my time. So thinking of like Gary Vaynerchuk in my ear, those that don't watch what the devices are doing or the apps are doing are doomed to be in a dead-end channel. Because if I was going to make content today, I would most surely make it for shorts if it, it all fit the bill. Because I think a lot of people's attention span has been reduced down to just that. So long, long and short of it, pun intended, uh, making content that's podcast, if you have a head start, sounds like a good idea. Making podcasts from scratch I would probably say you'd be better off making short videos and being in a space where it's all brand new and you get like a head start over people than to start where there's two trillion people ahead of you. Yeah, okay. But so, um, Heifer, there seems to be a lot of interest in, you know, Twitter have gone into audio spaces. There's other platforms. There, there, there seems to be a lot of interest, activity, um, in the investment world or in general around audio podcasting, these different type of platforms. Why do you think that is? And would you agree with me? Uh, well, I mean, I wanted to to point out that uh, on this list there, it, like local TV stations has popped up as, as something. I mean, so like you could combine like recorded podcasts and rather than just putting them on Spotify or something like that, you, like you can get ad space on, or you can get time on local TV stations. Um, and that's like the over the air. Like I'm not talking about like streaming, but like there's a lot of people that have cut the, the cord that are not paying for cable anymore, um, but are using their antennas. And there's just time to fill on all of these local networks. Like you can just say, I have a recorded 30 minute thing, like just air it <laughs> and then people will watch it and hear you. And this is an entirely. It's new... amazing what crap they will watch. What they ever, but they will because there's nothing. And, and then suddenly you have a local audience for your business. And, and even if it's only what, like 50,000 people, those are all local people to buy your stuff. I'm and, always a... I'm always amazed, Heather, the people that watch my shit. So there we go. Uh, Rob, so there we are. Uh, uh, John, what do you what do you reckon, John? Yeah, this is the the two areas that are uh, seventeen and eighteen percent uh, going to change for the positive are uh, streaming audio and streaming video, with local TV being twelve percent and. Uh, targeted banners, interestingly enough, 12% uh, going up, which um, is interesting to me. But 
like the big losers in this category is newspaper print printed directories is the biggest one. Um, it's just very, um, it's continuing this trend of, of the attention is been going online for 20 years and uh, it's accelerating now. Now there's entire generations of people who uh, have these consumption habits and, you know, it, it makes sense to, you know, target uh, streaming audio, podcasting, streaming video, YouTube uh, makes a lot of sense to me because that's well, where the attention is. Well, I, I want to go on to our recommendations of the week. I knew I wanted to speak. Well, you've been speaking quite a bit, Andrew. I have not. I've been the last one. I'm going to get you next week when I'm host. You wait. Yeah, they are. I'm not, I'm not going to have been speaking in no, my let, show. Let him, let him go. Let him have a go, then. Right, right, so, so in the UK, over the last 48 hours, Sky Glass has launched, right? You ever heard of something like Sky Glass? Sky Glass, or Sky in our, in our country, is universally satellite TV. They have just launched Sky Glass, which is universally streaming TV, right? So they know that people want to listen to stuff on their phone with their, with their AirPods in or their earpods in or anything. So it said it won't I, be Sky. I'll be listening I, I, to. I disagree. I disagree fundamentally with what Spencer said about podcasting and, and stuff like that because, and it's very, very rare that we disagree. Because if somebody like Sky is investing gazillions in streaming, they've realized that there is potential there for these, what like Heather said on cable um, TV and stuff, for these 30-minute private people like us, hey, we've got a podcast, it's 30 minutes long, stream it for us. We've, and and they're, they're, they're facing you know, continual daily battles against Spotify, Netflix, all these streaming services and we are going to see a total change, in my view, going to see a total change in the way that TV is presented to us. Because there is crap on TV, right? That's why Netflix is so successful, because people want to sit and watch a movie. They don't want to watch a series. And people will be interested in seeing real reality TV, which is your podcasts. And, th and that's why Sky have invested in Glass. So I think it's going to grow I, I, even I, more. I, I want to say something, not that I disagree with your point, but that it's important to clarify. Right now, since the pandemic, my kids, I have, a, I have what they call a Roku-enabled set of TVs, like, like six days in the house. So you have apps that connect to everything. Sure. Now, the problem I mentioned of saturation kicks in on your example. Because right now we subscribe to seven streaming services, the big ones, you know, Hulu, Netflix, and so on and so forth. And there's like 16 other apps that we subscribe to like for free, like Vudu and Roku this and Roku that. And you know what happens? My kids and I sit down every day for our time together, you know, at the meal, and nobody can figure out what to watch or listen to because there's 800 trillion choices. And here's the other part about it. All the podcasts and all the videos are already available individually on my iPhone without me having to go sit in front of the TV. So while your point is well taken, I think it's irrelevant to just because a company pays to consolidate a bunch of things that are available elsewhere doesn't mean that you as the content creator 
should sit down like John Denwood and grind away for 10 years making podcasts when nobody's going to end up listening to it. But they Whereas, will, though, Spence. That's the whole, that's the whole point. They really will. I don't, mean, I don't mean nobody's listening to John. I'm saying you've been oh, here for right. 600 right. episodes. I'm saying but the whole that's point all right, is they man. will because they will fall upon it. They'll they will just fall upon it like they fell upon YouTube. YouTube was a dating service. Now it's... Well, but now YouTube Shorts, you, you you could actually become somebody on YouTube Shorts or Instagram Shorts because it's not a crowded channel yet. There's a, you know, the ones that I'm seeing, unfortunately, are very base level. Like it's, there's a lot of trends of kids and good looking young people like taking their clothes off on it or something. But the point is that like if you were in a, a matching market where somebody could get some value out of a 30 second video, you know, then that is that is one of those Gary Vaynerchuk moments where you go like, Check it out. That's where you could actually yeah. become floating on the top of this. Oh, I'm so time. glad you, you you added that bit, Spencer, with my major sponsor, CEO, on my panel. Uh, um, that was very generous of you. Uh, um, so there we go. And your sponsorship, Craig, is much appreciated. Uh, um, a validation for my many years in the grind. Uh, um so let's go to our recommendations uh, of the week. If you haven't got one, Craig, it isn't a problem. If you do have one, post it in the chat and they, um, Andrew or Spencer will post it. In, oh, it will be Andrew. Um, my recommendation um, is a new SEO plugin called Sim SEO. I've been trying it out on one of my test sites a certain other major SEO plugin, I am determined to get rid of them on my own site and all my supported sites. Uh, Yoast, you must go. Uh, um, I, I've been, uh, um, um, I can no longer stand you or your plugin and what else, anything else you do, apart from your lovely wife that I've got the most compassion for. Uh, um, so, uh, um, I'll be looking at this plugin, and it looks quite good. So, Spencer, have you got any recommendation for the tribe? I do. And by the way, Andrew and I agree on ninety nine percent of things. It's not a disagreement; it's just a clarification. Um, the you always, you always disagree with everything I fucking say. Well, you and I are like <laughs> you and I are like Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive. <laughs> um, the one I want to recommend is a really singular purpose plugin. It's available for free. It's called UI Press. It's at uipress.co. And what it does, which I think is really well done because I've seen this from other plugins, is it gives you immediately for free the chance to stylize your dashboard into a like a, a white with gray or a, a dark background with light. And it immediately changes the professionalism or the look and feel of something that kind of has a 1990s feel to it by default. We've seen lots of plugins that let you change your admin dashboard. But if I was delivering a client site and I used another free plugin called um, Admin Menu Editor by Janice Elst, with this thing, I can now give a curated dashboard experience that looks fabulous out of the box. Right, yeah. And I'll make it short and sweet on these because I want to get I'm this padding show. this up so that you have more content to stream later. Exactly. exactly. And increase your ad revenue. I want to get this short. I want to get this around the hour so we can get onto the bonus. I'm determined to get this around like, the hour. Like my kid in the car when they used to have to oh, go to the bathroom. Right. So, Heather, have you, what's your recommendation, Heather? So my recommendation is uh, is a plea, actually. So I have um, a, I have a nonprofit called Serenzi Global, and right now we have our annual technology grant open until December thirty first. 
this is for um, anyone who wants to upskill themselves for AI. Uh, it's open around the world, so please share that out. Also, if you are a technology solution provider and you want to partner with us to offer things for the nonprofit to these uh, people that will get the grant, please let us know. Right now, we're partnered with Microsoft, GitHub, uh, and uh, Pluralsight and others uh, to give things to the students that come through the grant. Uh, so you can contact me about that as well. All right. So, Craig, that sounds fantastic. Have um, put it into the Slack and um, and um, Angel format it for me. So, Craig, have you got a recommendation for the tribe? Yeah, we uh, mentioned that we just launched a new website and we used Perf Matters, perfmatters.io. Uh, it's a performance plugin for WordPress. We've got our page speed up almost 20 points with Google PageSpeed um, to a whopping 98 on mobile right now. You so, just need a good hosting provider. Uh, we have a pretty good hosting provider. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great there tool. We go. There we are. That's fantastic, Craig. Um, yeah. Andrew, have you got a rep recommendation for the tribe? You're muted, Andrew. He's still muted. He's cursing at me, I think. Uh, oh, no, it's my internet connection because I only live 24 miles from London. You know, I can't get a decent internet. Well, if you crazy. decide to live in the wilderness, that's, live in the wilderness, that's it's your problem. just crazy. I mean, it's mad. We are third world as far as internet connection goes in the UK. It's just disgusting. But anyway... I've been working because of Bertha having to put Bertha AI into it and make it all compatible with particular page builders, et cetera, et cetera. I've been working with the guys at Visual Composer. And so I'm going to recommend Visual Composer. No, really. Five million websites are driven by it, but the old version, right? Wake up, people. <laughs> Things change, right? Things how change. You live, how can you live with yourself? Shush, shush. I, I'm allowed to do a recommendation without you interrupting. You wait until next week when I'm host. You're <laughs> muted. Now, the, the point is, is that it's we so, always... So have, many people don't want to mute me. Uh, the point is, is that we have to look to the future and to the... We have to look in the present and the future, not into the past, right? So Visual Composer, I've been amazed how good it is. Honestly, I am totally 100% behind it. So have a look at Visual Composer. Don't... Don't do that, Jonathan, on my recommendation. Every live? single bloody time. That yeah. is a, it's brilliant. They're really hardworking people. Get All right, it. enough is enough. For God's sake, John. God's sake. John, what please, please save me, God. What week. is your recommendation, John? Uh, my recommendation is for a friend of Craig's and a friend of the show. It's for our buddy Matt Medeiros oh, yes. and the WP Minute. So he is... Uh, have this deal where you can become a WP Minute producer mm. for $9 a month or $79 a year. Get access to the Discord community where you can uh, have conversations with all the uh, WP uh, people. Oh, and, I'll, I'll just have to copy yeah. that. I always copy Matt's ideas. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I based my career on copying his stuff. So there we go. Oh, yeah. by the way, panel, he will be joining us next week. 
Um, awesome. So, you should, so it should be a gr- should be a great show. So I'm going to let the panel be uh, even that because I'll be the I'll be yeah, the host. You're going to shut me up, are <laughs> you? Uh, you have the power, Andrew. Oh, there we go. So, Craig, how can people find out more about you, your thoughts, and your company? Yeah. So, if anyone uh, would like to check out, we're castos.com, C-A-S-T-O-S. Dot com. Um, I'm on Twitter at the Craig Hewitt. Uh, folks want to head over there. DMs are always open. Love to hear from you. And hopefully you'll you'll come back on the show sometime in, in Love the to. year. Oh, that's absolutely. Fantastic. Spencer, yeah. how can people find out more about you and your ideas and your products? Uh, Launchflows.com or WPLaunchify.com. That's great, Heather. How can people find out more about you and your wis- words of wisdom, Heather? Heatheriel.com and I'm Heatheriel everywhere. My co-host on one of my co-hosts on the WP Tonic show, the man that keeps me under control, Andrew. How can people find out more about you? You can find me in the local psychiatric ward after dealing with Denwood. Um, no, <laughs> at Arnie Palmer on on Twitter, and of course Bertha.ai. And don't forget, uh, you know, to go to Launch Flows to see the deal there. It's great. I love you so much, Andrew, as well. There we go. My old and closest, one of my closest friends, John Locke. John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, you, if you dare, you can go to my Twitter, uh, lockdown uh, <laughs> underscore. Uh, but if you want new content, the, the best place to go is my YouTube. Just search for John Locke uh, SEO. Just dropped a new video this morning, the truth about duplicate and copied content. So go check that out. Right. And it is a pretty fiery Twitter, uh, Rob, so, but very always entertaining, John. Um, we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show now. Some of the some of the panel are going to disappear, but hopefully some are going to stay on for the bonus content, which you can watch the whole show plus the real the real stuff, which is in the bonus content, on the WP Tonic Facebook group page. Uh, um, And please join us there. Join the group. Um, It's been a great show. We'll see you next week. Good, good. See you later, tribe. Bye. See ya. So those that want to leave can leave. Oh, Heather, Heather disappeared, but she normally does. Do you want to stay on, Craig, for a little while? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want not say that after this? Yeah, pretty hairy. <laughs> pretty uh, hairy. Uh, um, uh, you won't change your mind, but you've been warned. Uh, um, so, on to story five. I started a SaaS company in 2013 and 2021. Here's the things that have changed. So, Craig, I don't know if you had time to read this particular one. Did it? I did. Ring yeah. any bells for you? Yeah, it did. It did. And like, I can relate with a lot of this. I mean, this is my first SaaS product, but um, I think that the the gist of this that I got is that it's never been easier from a, like a tech and an infrastructure and even just like a development perspective to create products. Um, and that the market is more saturated than ever with a bajillion competitors to, to everything, but that there is an opportunity to stand out if you have a unique product and position and, and kind of angle you take on, on marketing. Um, 
And that gives me a lot of solace that like, it's not all over. People coming into the market now are, are definitely able to, to succeed. And we see that um, even with products that are not terribly differentiated. Um, like I know of several products that, you know, a new forms product or new calendar kind of product, and they come in and they can see really strong traction just by taking a slightly different spin on things. Um, so it's a bit of a tangent to the article, but yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. And Jonathan just disappeared for thirty seconds. So, uh, Spence, what do you reckon? Yeah, the thing is, it's it reminds me a lot of other markets. Like, for example, somebody who's a day trader or somebody who is invested in Bitcoin. Right? There was a time when those things didn't exist, and if you did it, you had to come up with all the tools and hand baked stuff. The thing that I find interesting is for those that are interested in taking VC money, <laughs> there's never been more easy money in large sums. But, and this is the big but, you've got, you've got to compete now to break out against a trillion other people. So my background in real estate, back in the early days, nobody was being able to buy and sell property because the interest rates were 14%. There wasn't any technology to know where to find the places. Go forward today, you can borrow $100 million at 1%, but you're trying to find a deal against 2,000 other people. You know, So it's, it's a, a valuable like framework to think about things. But I mean, it's also exciting because you could be a nobody. And if you have the right idea with the right money, actually have a real, you know, breakout success. Well, that, you know, what I find interesting about this is that we've we've actually got a guy here that's that's taken some seed money or taken some investment. Um, we spoke about it when we had that chat the other day on WP Tonic podcast when John was uh, away. I mean, how... How does it make you actually feel as a founder, Craig, to either seek or be offered investment? I mean, you got to give it away, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I mentioned this like on a Twitter thread, I think, but like it's the biggest accomplishment of my entrepreneurial career for sure to to be able to raise the money we did uh, from the people we did um, because it is like, ultimate validation. Um, like I, 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 someone said before, like for someone like Sky to put their money behind this thing of streaming, they have the most data of anyone in the world, maybe, you know, uh, around like the the decision they're about to make. And for companies and individuals as sophisticated as we raised from to say, yep, we believe in what you're doing is like just a huge thing. So like personally for me, that was like a, a big um, vote of confidence in, in like what we're doing. At the same time, it definitely changes the game a lot that like I can't just go take, you know, four weeks off in August because I want to now because we have an actual like fiduciary requirement or, or kind of obligation to our investors to perform uh, and grow the business. So it changes how I view uh, what we're doing here. And we, 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 we have a big job to do now. Can I ask uh, a quick question, Craig? Not only the money, how, looking back, how... Beneficial has it been to get to know Rob and the Tiny Seed people and just in their knowledge and support to you? Yeah, massive. I mean, it's specific to Tiny Seed. Like the, the money is not enough money to like completely change the trajectory of your business. Um, but it is the mentorship and the program and the accountability and the access to the people there with you know Rob and Einar and Tracy, but also with the the mentor group that they have, it's it's enormous. I mean, some of the kind of best and biggest, brightest minds in in SaaS are available to you kind of whenever you need them, and that's that's a huge upside. 
I think that's what businesses miss, isn't it? Or they 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 don't get that. They kind of look at an accountant and say, you know, accountants have, have now had to change their. I'm I'm lucky enough to know a guy who's the MD of the of the of the the top accountancy firm in the UK. Um, and they've changed over the last five years. They've changed their business more into being a solutions provider and mentoring service <laughs> to be able to expand, one, to expand their business to mentoring and business advice and coaching, but also to to retain and also acquire new accountancy customers. And I think what what's happened, one of the benefits that I, I like of what I do is that I coach people. You know, and I've got one one particular success story of a person that was $700 a month recurring income, still working um, on her own. And now, um, you know, a year, 18 months later, her recur- recurring income is £7,000, £7,000 a month, right? That's that's the extreme, that's a lot of money for them. Massive, you know? yeah. And, 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 you know, the... The the ARR is 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 looking at over one hundred and fifty two hundred thousand pounds a year in year three. So mentoring, even advice or counselling, or just someone to you know have a shoulder to to rest on or to cry on, is one of the most valuable things that investors can give. And that's what I like about um, Tiny Seed and and Pete. I think there should be more of that going on rather than VCs coming in for their. For their pound of flesh, I think that's a, a it's a good thing what Tiny Seed are doing. Yeah, right. On to story six. Um, don't worry, Spencer. I'm gonna mod, I'm gonna leave my true ranting. Well, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm gonna drop off at a certain point to eat lunch before we have our thing. So well, yeah, sure. But, but I'm gonna leave my ranting, my real venting for my um, video that <clears throat> supports the WP Tonic newsletter, which you need to sign up, Tribe. You need to go to the WP Tonic website and sign up for our newsletter, and then you can watch Andrew taking the mickey out of me and my ranting on my video. But let's get on with it. Facebook encourages hate speech for profit, says Whistleblower. Um, t- you know, I'm not going to fully vent, but it's pretty obvious that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's a bit, bit of a sociopath, <laughs> isn't he? Uh, he's a sociopath supremo. Uh, um, and he's got a motley crew on his executive team and board, uh, a rogues Gary. He's got his VP of communication. is one of the most despised. All oh, right. He's a... No, it doesn't mean anything to you, Spence, because he comes from the UK. But he's Nick uh, Clegg. He used Nick to be Clegg. You know, would you agree, Andrew, that I'm not who, being who, unfair to say he's one of the most despised individuals? No, I think I know you're wrong. He's not one of the most despised people in the UK or whatever. He he. What happened is that he, luckily, his party got 16 seats in an in an election one day, and they were the they 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 then that enabled them to form a coalition with the Conservatives to be able to be the governing party of the UK. And uh, along with that, he made certain promises to students to say that we're going to, we're not going to charge you uh, 9,000. No, no. So remember this, Americans, we, we get charged, you know, nine to 11,000 pounds a year to go to university in this country. That's it, 
right? So, um, you know, we're not going to charge you that. It's going to be free because it's free in Scotland. And guess who pays the taxes that it's free in Scotland, right? So, and it should be free in this country because I believe in that kind of stuff. But he re- he had to rescind on that and a number of other things. So he became a bit of a, uh, I can't remember the word, but he, the people disliked him highly for that. It's one way, it's he one way did, of putting it. He did it because he wanted to be deputy prime minister. They made him deputy prime minister as well. But for him, to, he's quite, in my opinion, he's quite slimy. You know, he's not, he's very kind of, he's just, a, he's just snaky, slimy. You know, he's just, that's, that's what it is. You can't really believe a word that comes out of his mouth. But then he is a former politician. So there you go, you know, rest my case. But the point is, is that when he was appointed as VP of Global Communications or whatever, for gazillions of pounds, you know, loads of money, because his, his political career was over, the mm-hmm. newspapers and the, and the media went mental in this country and said, so the slimy one's now gone to be the slimier one and all that kind of stuff. So, but, we, you know, this, this is not news, Jonathan. We know that Facebook has, has helped people propagate hate. Right. This is just per- somebody from within the company saying, actually, yes, they did, you know, um, and, and we've all got to be careful of what we do in our own businesses and make sure that if we can't be anything else, we just got to be kind. Right. So well, we, I'm, I'm not kind. using face. I'm, I'm not going to slag Facebook off people. at all. Uh, it's just um, sociopaths and people. So, Craig. Um, you know, um, we've known for a long time about Mark Zetterberg, you know, but obviously the, the uh, I've got to tell you, Craig, that I, I, even though Mark has certain problems, in my opinion, my real vehement, my real, is his executive officers of Facebook and the board, because I feel... That they've known for years what they've been dealing with, but they they do nothing because they're making tons of money, Craig. So yeah. who's more responsible for this train wreck? The founder, who's a bit odd, or in my opinion, a bit psychopathic, or the people that should have controlled him a bit and choose not to? Gosh, who's more responsible for it. I, I I think it has to be both, right? Because I mean, even in a company as big as Facebook, like Zuckerberg still has to be the one to drive a lot of the the culture and the decisions that are being made. Um, the board ultimately has a lot of oversight um, into that, but, but I don't think they can tell him what to do still. I don't know how the company is set up and everything, but um, I, I mean, to be honest, I just kind of like gave up on Facebook a long time ago. I just, it's not the kind of platform I want to be associated with. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't have a ton to say on it. I think the more interesting one is like, was the DNS outage uh, kind of like maliciously done from the inside? I think that's a more interesting question uh, than like, is Facebook a bad company? Uh, Cause the answer to that is pretty. So Spencer, out. I think there's really a, a really crux of the issue that the whistleblower is that Facebook and similar platforms say say themselves that they're not a publishing enterprise, Spencer. So they can't be um, legally or in any way responsible for those that publish on their platform, unlike a newspaper 
or a newspaper publisher or, or a radio station that allows somebody to say stuff, they are, uh, I think I'm correct in this, saying, but you're, I'd be interested in your view, Spencer. Am I not correct that a printed publisher or owner of a radio or television, if they allow people to say certain things, they are responsible as the overall publisher? Am I correct? And what's your view on that? You are. The law varies, but in general, in the United States, depending on the jurisdiction, the premise is that there's certain exceptions to things you could say if it's protected speech. But even then, you have an obligation, if you're the editor, to make sure that there's not falsehoods or that it's not something promoting some affirmative step that somebody should take. So, for example, it's one thing if you publish a news story and it's fairly vetted and it says, it has been reported that Jonathan Denwood wears pink underwear. Okay. How did you you know? You can say that. But you can't write an opinion piece if you're the official news person that says Jonathan Denwood is, uh, you know, in the closet or whatever he's doing because he's wearing pink underwear because that's an actual, an, a potential slanderous statement. In a similar way, we're facing a real problem right now because the politics of the United States, especially the Supreme Court setup, are really not favorable towards the notion of things like Fox News getting away with the bullshit that they've been getting away with, claiming that Tucker Carlson is not acting as a news reporter when he, in fact, is doing that for everybody. But they're getting away with this rule bending saying, well, we're just an entertainment source. Well, similarly, Facebook is acting as a pass-through for a bunch of hate speech and other people motivated. But when it comes to light, honestly, in my opinion, that they've got an algorithm designed to stir that pot up then I think that has to be tested in the Supreme Court. And the problem is nobody is sending it up there now because the people who benefit from this are essentially the same people who are paying the lobbyists to work in favor of companies like Facebook because it serves their needs. The more that the public is angry with themselves and fighting, the better it is for trillionaires and billionaires and millionaires. That's the old rule of societal norms, right? Keep the people fighting amongst themselves, so they don't pay attention to what we're screwing them on. And that's what's going on here. So I don't really foresee in the current state of the world any change in that, except if it were to affect them personally. Like if Facebook wrote an algorithm that was anti-right-wing you know, right-wing Republican or something, or anti-rich people, then I think it would get attention. <laughs> But that's not what's going to happen because the rich people are. What about the bigger? What about the bigger issue? Do you think that they are? They were excused because they said we're just offering a platform. We're just offering a platform. Or do you think they should have always been judged as a the same way as a newspaper or a radio station owner that they were a publisher? No, because it was a new media. Remember way back when we had the conversation about that one website that's like a local community, you know, like group and all the neighbors have to publish with their real name and faces and stuff. What we've seen is that when people are truthfully publishing under their own names and faces, in the past, that would tend to lead to more diplomatic behavior. What we've seen seen Uh in the last four years since Trump is that now people 
are wearing like a badge of honor. They're being a total douchebag to other people. Like they're literally proud of, look at me. We're seeing it with the vaccine and the mask stuff. These tragic sob stories of people who said, yeah, you fools and all the rest of this stuff. And then they're dead five days later. How long does that have to continue until we run out of idiotic people? I don't know, but I don't think it's going to run out. I think the people are going to continue to use a platform like this to foment hate and foment stuff because it stimulates the dopamine centers of your brain. And it's no different than alcohol or cocaine or anything else in that regard. It's very addictive. So, John, is it, you know, we're blaming, you know, I don't like Mark Zetterberg and I don't like his executive team and I'll be saying some stronger words in my own individual um, video. But to be honest, aren't we just blaming technology? Aren't we? Is it not just the fundamental fact that people just like hating more than loving? They just like hating other people more than loving other people. Isn't it? Isn't this been the same story for the past three thousand years? That it's just easier to blame other people for your problems rather than looking at yourself. Isn't that really what we're always, or has the technology just added something to yeah. the Yeah, the, the technology has added a, a virality to it, whether it's uh, Facebook enabling genocides in Myanmar, which doesn't get a lot of press because it's brown people and we don't care about that, uh, or whether it's uh, convincing people that vaccines are the mark of the beast or that Trump really won and, and, uh, or, or, you know, there's pedophile rings and people are drinking blood of babies and, uh, there's evil cabal of Jewish people pulling the strings everywhere. I mean, these, all these things like kind of lead back to the same thing. Um, at least like here in the United States for sure. Uh, but it used to be that, to get access to those conspiracy theories, you'd have to go to the John Birch bookstore and read that stuff or go uh, uh, order uh, through mail order like the Turner Diaries, the white supremacy uh, handbook, the fictional story that a lot of people are using. Um, but nowadays, you have Fox News, which is funded by the Koch brothers, or you have uh, Facebook, which... It's funny when people say that tech tech is like liberal leaning or left leaning because every single day, uh, maybe nine or 10 out of the 10 most shared stories on Facebook are huge right wing stories. Um, now it's come out that OAN, uh, the news channel, news channel that's, you know, when Fox News is is too left leaning for you, you you go watch that. That's funded by AT and T. So these big companies, I mean, they're not um, right wing authoritarian, borderline fascist uh, policies. Those are okay with them, uh, as long as they're making money. They really don't care. I would say the bigger the bigger problem is now you have everybody that that has access to Fox News, which is on every basic cable. Uh, you have Facebook, which uh, billions of people are on 
that virality is spread. So these these conspiracy theories, these uh, prejudices and these bigotries, which people want to embrace, they want to hear these things. They want to hear uh, that maybe like, you know, black people are lazy and they're just all on welfare and they're burning down their cities. That's the same things that people were saying right after reconstruction. Um, or they want to hear that, you know, uh, all the Jewish billionaires are funding all these things. These are things that have been being said for a long time in the United States. But now well, no, being- no, I did, you know, yeah. in states, you know, but I just, yeah. I just want to tell us this to They want to hear it. Yeah. That's the bigger problem because yeah. they don't believe, they don't believe that Facebook is not the truth. They believe that they're being censored. And they believe it's a big conspiracy against them and that they have the truth. Yeah, I just want to put a bigger problem. Yeah, I just want to put this final question to Craig and we wrap up. You know, Craig, as you know, I, as part of my service, we offer hosting. And I have some people that are on my hosting platform. Uh, I don't particularly like their views. Um, I, I, I got, I've given them very clear. One lady's got over 18,000 on her Facebook group and her political views I really totally disagree with, right? But I gave her very strict parameters of what was acceptable for me and my company and I made it quite clear that she if she went over those trip lines that I was going to kick her off my hosting, you know, yeah. you'd be gone. Have you had to have similar discussions in your companies about certain people from left, right, whatever, using your platform? And how have you tried to deal with it in a fair, equitable way? Yeah, we, we have. And, and um, the the problem is is kind of tough because you have to, on one hand, really respect people's ability to express themselves. Uh, whether you agree with that personally or not, um, because that is a, a really important right that I think everybody has um, with having a line, like you're saying, where if people cross it and are, you know, inciting hate or, you know, sp- spreading, you know, mistruths and, and misleading people to that could be kind of dangerous or harmful or anything like that, like that's absolutely not acceptable. And we terminate people's accounts immediately and there's no warning and there's no recourse and there's no anything. It's in our terms of service that we have the ability to terminate your, your service at any time solely at our discretion. And um, we You're have not going to terminate mine, are you, Craig? I'm not, no. Yeah, no, okay. we, have a, we have a team in-house that is made up of several different people from different backgrounds and, and everything that review, um, you know, when we have a, a complaint against somebody and we review that um, from several different perspectives and make a decision on, you know, is this... Is this the a uh, uh, case where this is a piece of content that we don't agree with, but is not harmful to other people in one way, or or is this actually harmful? And is this is just kind of not something so, that, it's been that we quite can be difficult associated for with? me, Craig? But I, my position is that I uh, I tend to bend backwards when it's people that got opposite political views to me. I just feel that you know it's really easy to be fair to people that agree with your political views. It's much harder to be fair and so i i tend to give the people that got different political views to me more rope than i would with people that would agree with me because i think it's my duty to be like that because 
you know, you, you if you really believe in free speech and freedom, you've got to defend the people that you would normally disagree the most. Otherwise, you just become a hypocrite. But there is a line, isn't it? Yeah. There's a line where it's just encouraging violence and... Yeah, and and I, I absolutely agree. Like, and I think that going back to Facebook as the the kind of main topic here, that like Facebook has an enormous obligation to do probably the best job of any platform, kind of online, of of drawing and and kind of maintaining that line, right? And and, and they've chosen and they not. And would you yeah. agree that they are for profit? They have chosen yeah, yeah. not yep. even to care absolutely. about it. Absolutely. You- I mean, it is it is a really especially for a smaller company, quite a hard thing to to do and, and monitor. Um, but a, a company as big as Facebook has an obligation because they are the kind of platform where a lot of people get their information and believe the truth comes from. Uh, and they, they, yeah, they've chosen to not kind of own up to their responsibility to, to monitor and uh, like promote good habits there, I think. Um, and that's a, it's a shame. Well, I don't know if it's a shame, but it, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I think it's been a fantastic show. Thank you so much, panel. Thank you so much, Tribe, to watch it and your support. Um, We'll see you next week with another great show. See you soon, folks. Bye. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 